Hi, I'm Emily Williams, the founder of the top success and personal development company for driven women called I Heart My Life. I grew my company from $442 to seven figures in my first 18 months. And since then, it's become a movement for women who know they're meant for something big and refuse to settle. At I Heart My Life, we operate with the belief that anything is possible and no dream is too big. We're all about combining business strategy, deep mindset work, high performance practices, money tips, and a whole lot of lifestyle to help you get the results you deserve in all areas of life. Because after all, we only get this one shot. This is your one-stop shop for all things inspiration. So grab your favorite drink and a pen and a notebook and get ready to be inspired. Oh, and if you're not a member of our community, go to iheartmylife.com slash join and receive all of our emails and announcements. And while you're at it, copy and paste this episode link and share it with three friends. Now on to the episode. Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 203, how to handle loss and grief. One woman's story of losing a parent to COVID-19. So today we have a special guest with us. We have Evelyn Fusen. Evelyn is someone who has been in the I Heart My Life community. So many of you may know her. She's someone who started in our I Heart coaching program and then joined our I Heart My Life mastermind and then actually joined the I Heart My Life team. So we have her as an incredible coach in our programs, as well as somebody who really is a connector within our community. And it's always there to support our students in any questions that are coming up for them or supporting community members and knowing what programs are the right fit for them. And last year in 2020, Evelyn actually lost her father to COVID-19. And today I asked her to be a part of this conversation, this very important conversation about grief and loss and how we actually handle it. Now, this conversation came to be because we actually see entrepreneurs and business owners not knowing how to handle challenge and not knowing how to handle loss when it comes up. Oftentimes, things like this are unexpected, and so we haven't actually prepared ourselves to know how to handle it. And although Evelyn believes that it's nearly impossible to prepare yourself to know exactly how to handle something like this, she does feel that there are a few things that we can do to help ourselves move through it, whether it's a challenge, whether it's a loss, or anything that threatens to throw us off course when it comes to our dreams. She also talks a lot about self-love and what she's realized throughout this process of grief. She also talks about how just being her true self, being unapologetic, creating boundaries has helped her move through this and give herself the time and the space to actually process and, and fulfill her own needs. So it's a really important conversation, especially now where there is a lot coming up for people. There is a lot of loss, a lot of challenge. And I think it's an important conversation for all of us because we will experience loss of some sort in our lives. And so having an open conversation about it is one way to prepare ourselves and also one way to heal. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Evelyn is super real and raw, and I'm so grateful that she was willing to go there with me and give uh, all of us a glimpse into what this year has been about for her. So let's dive in. This episode was sponsored by the I Heart My Life Mastermind. The I Heart My Life Mastermind is perfect for you if you already have a business and you're looking to scale. We cover tons of different topics. We cover marketing strategy, revenue planning, team, processes, everything you need in terms of mindset, high performance, really taking care of yourself as well as your business, events, publicity. We literally have seven coaches under one umbrella 
to support you and give you the answers to all of your burning questions. We host regular weekly workshops where you get your personal questions answered. We have retreats. You have a private Slack channel where you get to ask questions 24-7. You have an extensive resource bank that helps you put in place our cash method in your own business and much, much more. This is one of the most inventive programs around. I don't know anyone else offering the service that we provide. So if you are interested in growing your business and transforming your life, definitely book a call with us to learn more. Go to iHeartMyLifeBooking.com and learn more about the iHeartMyLife Mastermind. Welcome to the show, Evelyn. I'm excited to have this time with you. And I know this is a really important conversation for us to be having as well as for other people to listen to. So thank you for being willing to go there with me. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And I think it's really needed um, to expand and just talk about things that may be uncomfortable or that we don't know how to navigate. Exactly. Yeah. So first, you know, I want to kind of set the scene here and talk to people about who you are. Um, You know, we've known each other for years now. You were a part of our iHeart coaching program and then our mastermind uh, at I Hurt My Life. And then we actually brought you on to be a support coach in the mindset space and some of the programs, as well as really connect with our community members um, when they're making a decision about whether they want to work with us or what steps to take. Does that kind of sum it up? <laughs> yeah, I think so. A little catch of all or jack of all trades, but yeah. yeah. But I know a lot of your mastery is around mindset. It is around the deep work that all of us need to do in order to be successful um, and to experience happiness and to live fulfilled, fulfilled lives. So today, you know, we want to talk a bit about, you know, what it takes to move through the stuff that can come up in life that, you know, can throw us off track. So like I said, you've been with us for a while in the community and now in our company, and all of us experienced a lot last year with COVID, but you in particular experienced something that was incredibly devastating. So can you fill us in and explain what happened? Yeah, absolutely. So back in July of last year, um, my dad, um, who best friend, um, very close to him. He contracted COVID. Um, uh, actually my whole family, immediate family ended up having COVID at the same time. Um, and my boyfriend as well, but the time frame is interesting. I'm not sure that we contracted it from each other. Um, it's very close within the window. It could have very possibly actually the last time I saw my dad was father's day of last year, which was in June. Um, because shortly after that, my mom, started feeling symptoms. Um, she got tested, she came back positive. And then my dad went, he was positive, uh, youngest brother positive. My middle brother was not. And then my boyfriend started feeling ill and I was with him most of the time. So we were really separate. Um, so dad contracted COVID. He did have a prior existing condition called sarcoidosis. It's essentially, um, and I guess it would be autoimmune, But the way that it was explained to me is that essentially it's an illness that picks parts of your body to attack. And so his lungs and his kidneys were pretty compromised already. Um, So we worried most for him um, if he contracted it, which 
at first he was fine. He's always been super optimistic and um, he was a pastor, Um, but he went into the hospital towards the beginning of July and he would never leave. Um, He ended up dying on August 1st and leaving a really big hole, um, obviously in my life and my family's life, but he was deeply impactful in our community here where I'm from in Louisville, Kentucky. He is actually a pastor in Oldham County. And, um, and so, yeah, that's been, this has been my first experience with grief. I've had sadness and empathy for others who have gone through things. I've lost a grandparent, um, but this was a lot closer. And so it was, it's been definitely a journey. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And how much time passed from when he was diagnosed to when he actually passed? It was about a month. So we had, I think too, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I prepare for, (laughs) this always kind of drove him crazy, but I kind of prepare for an emergency if there's an emergency coming up or be prepared to handle it, but I don't get overly involved typically preparing for the worst case scenario. I try to think of the best. And then I'm like, if it's going to be, you know, negative, whatever that experience is, then we'll learn from it or move through it. Um, But I can honestly say that I think that we all, my family and the community around us, um, we all thought that he would pull through. We thought you know, and especially in the faith community, thinking so many people prayed. I mean, we were sharing on social platforms that were shared, I mean, 5,000 times. And I mean, people from across the world were sending us messages or praying. And so in that way too, there was just a lot of collective community that came through. Um, but yeah, it was a month and I, I personally thought he would come through it. I just, I thought he would. So. And so during that month, you weren't actually able to visit him. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Yeah. Because he was COVID positive the whole time, um, he, they would not allow us to see him. Um, And then the last um, two, maybe three weeks, it's kind of fuzzy for me. They actually put him into a coma. So we don't know how, how alert he was the last the last part, that last month, uh, last half of the month that he was actually in the hospital, they did end up letting my mom go in and see him. Um, and the, that was the week he died. They started letting her come in actually. And not many people know this, but the night before, uh, we actually were told by one of the doctors, like we're seeing really good, you know, we're seeing really good strides here. We have they had advised her to sign a DNR and actually verbally was told like, maybe we should maybe take this off the table because um, he could turn around. And then within hours, it was the opposite. Wow. Of, yeah. So when he first went to the hospital, were you allowed to like, was he able to call you or was he just not? So he was connected to a lot of uh, breathing devices that because his lungs were so compromised, he was in a lot of pain. So we really, he talked some to my mom, but it was really hard for him to even use his phone. So it was very limited contact. I don't, I did not 
I was not able to speak to him after he went in the hospital, essentially. And I have some, you know, at first too, I really regretted not being able to go see him. Like even there were some things that I'm like, man, I, if I had thought, you know, maybe this would be the last time, would I have done things differently? Of course, (laughs) but I wish that I'd even gone to go see him before he went into the ER. But the thing was too, I was COVID positive at the time as well. So, and I wasn't sure since we're still trying to figure out all the complexities of what's going on, I wasn't sure if me interacting with him, even though we both had COVID, if there were different strains, if there, you know, I just had no context for how that would affect him. So, and I, I was, it really um, compromised me. I mean, I was, I was laid out for about 14 days, like just really um, miserable. So, yeah. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about the period after he passed, like what were the first sort of emotions that you experienced, obviously sadness, but like they talk about different stages of grief. So what was that first chapter like for you? Um, well, I think something that's interesting, I was, I've, I've actually been studying more about grief as I've gone going through it. I think there's Um, a lot of parts and pieces that have come up for me that I've been surprised by. So um, I've gotten really curious around my experience. Um, And actually Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who came up with the five stages stages of grief, that container was actually meant to help um, with terminally ill patients. So, and that's kind of one of those things that kind of took off in popular streams of thought. So when we talk about what happened first, I don't know that I've ended the chapter, but initially the feelings of loss that were there, it's kind of, um, it's still, sometimes I expect that he's going to show up somewhere um, because he was such a normal part of my life. And I think, and I experienced that with people around me, they still think, man, I think that Jeff is going to walk through that door any minute. And so I still think there's some remnants of that, but I think it's just the lack of the presence that's been the most haunting um, because there are things uh, that we all go through. That was something that we experienced with him. Um, He was always my first call. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm thinking through something big um, or processing something, he was the one I called. And so that's still been an adjustment for me. Um, and there are moments of gratitude too, in my life when things are coming into fruition and I'm like, man, you'd be so proud of this moment or excited in this space. So I don't know that that chapter has ended. It's a very fluid kind of experience. Um, and there, for me, there's been very few times where I actually shut down or shut off Um, That to me has felt actually, I think, more insulting to his memory um, because he was so active and he believed that life should be fully lived. And so I think there are pieces of it um, that I've had to learn how to do to give myself permission to like take my take my foot off the pedal and to rest or to just move through that sadness. Because sadness for me, too, is not I know no one likes to be sad. But I think there are pieces of my personality that can um, retract from it because it doesn't feel very useful. 
But at the same time, I'm having to learn how to balance. Okay, well, you're experiencing this emotion. Trust your body's intuition in this moment and experience it. And because whatever we resist, of course, (laughs) it's still coming back in another way. So that's been an interesting dance as well. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it definitely does. I know that there's been certain, you know, periods and uh, even holidays like Easter, you talked to us about the fact that there were moments that were more challenging than others. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think holidays have been hard, um, but I didn't really think much about Easter which is surprising in hindsight, you know, (laughs) but it's one of those things. So my dad was a pastor growing up in the church. Easter was a big thing. It still is a very big, important piece for my family. But I, but I remember uh, being surprised by how affected, I guess this is the first year really outside of COVID last year, it, it was impacted for everyone, but this is the first year that, um, I didn't have plans for Easter. There wasn't an outfit picked out. There was no, um, I remember even having a conversation with my mom a couple of days before and she was asking me, you know, are you going to come to church on Sunday? And in my mind, I thought I never even considered going. And that was weird. Um, not, not more. It was more because I think too, I felt a little bit selfish because I was thinking what, not even selfish. Selfish in that I didn't think about my mom. That's another piece I think that comes into play is trying to love people you love through that process as well and serve them, but not deny your own experience. And so in that moment, even having that conversation, I said, you know, oh, I wasn't thinking about going, but if it's important for you to be to be there, I will be there. And she gave me that permission that I didn't need to go. And thank goodness, because I had no idea even moving into that. I wasn't feeling any type of way, but that morning and that weekend, I mean, it was just, it was so fresh. Um, It felt like everything kind of closed in. And when people talk about grief a lot, they'll talk about waves and that's very accurate. Um, There could be a memory that comes up. There could be some kind of trigger, an innocent question about something. I think my boyfriend had asked me, you know, what do you all, what have you normally done in the past? And as I started to speak about it, it all came kind of opening. And I think there were things that needed to be witnessed in that. And um, so it was, it was a hard day, but it was, uh, it was important, I think, too, because in that grief and in that sadness and that expression, too, it's just, again, saying, hey, this really matters and we'll make space for it. And so for you, making space for it was <clears throat> expressing what you were experiencing, being witnessed by your boyfriend, taking time to yourself. Was there anything else that you did that you felt helped you process or move through it? Um. I think being very tender and even, even the next day on Monday, like I was still feeling remnants of it, just such a deep sadness um, and overwhelming weight. And I support um, a few other teams besides I heart my life. And it was the first time that I think I've ever sent a message. Um, but I, I messaged every team and and just was very 
pretty honest, mostly with I heart my life because of the relationship that we have, but in, in saying, you know, Hey, I'm having a really hard time and I just, I'm going to do the imperative things for me today. But outside of that, that's all I've got. And that was very, that was also growth for me (laughs) because I, I take my work really seriously and my commitments very seriously. And that was also instilled in me by my dad and my parents, you know, that that's part of integrity. And, and if you become known as a person who's not going to follow through, like that will be your legacy. And is that the kind of legacy you want to leave? So, um, so taking time there and also just being honest, I think too, that's something else, um, that I started doing with close friends or people who would ask. I had a lot of asks on my time, people who wanted to love me or, you know, wanted to know what was going on with me. And I had to get comfortable with saying, Hey, like I care about you and I love you. And I love that you want to be there for me. But right now I just can't. Um, because it was, it became a time too, because I'm a pretty extroverted person and my community I have a a wonderful community of friends and people who I don't even know who reach out to me still to check in on me. And I'm so blessed in that way. Um, But I think also just leaning into, does this feel good right now for me? Is this, can I hold space for the other person in this Um, and knowing what that looks like? So I think also knowing the boundaries of how we feel and just being honest with people to say, Hey, I can't talk to you this week and I don't know when I'll be able to please like text me again and try again. <laughs> and which is also different for me because I'm typically the pursuer and the one who's like checking in. So that's been, um, that's also been something that I've had to adapt to and get used to. Yeah. That's such a beautiful um, way of describing it. And I just love how you've started to identify what you actually need. And like you said, create boundaries, but do it with love and share honestly what's going on for you. And also in a way that's like unapologetic, like this is, this is what's happening and, you know, um, putting yourself first essentially and expressing that, that self-love. And so how did you manage, like you, like you said, you have siblings, you have your mom, how did you handle all of their emotions and the way in which they were processing everything and then your own material and what was coming up for you? I think that's still a work in progress. Um, We're still learning how to function as a family without my dad. He was kind of our glue. And I think that's something, again, when we talk about preparing ourselves for losing someone. I don't know that that's possible. I just, just like you, you prepare for a child. It's all theoretical until you're asked to walk through it. And I think we did some counseling sessions together, which were helpful having someone else facilitate some of that discussion. um, I think that's something that we may end up doing, but also I think honoring or navigating giving each other the space to grieve how we need to grieve, or even if it doesn't look how our grief looks, I think that we've done a good job of, of trying to just be respectful and know, you know, um, I remember too, there was an exchange between me and my mom kind of early on that was, it was something so small in relation to like a yard sale. And we both were very emotive. It was very heated. It was an interesting exchange And then remembering like, we're both going through this process 
of grief and these heightened emotions. And so also just learning to, to make space that it's, it's kind of like, as you say, which I use with my own clients, awkward before it's elegant. We're learning how to function as a family without such a centrical piece um, and an integral piece. But, and I think that's something too, to notice he wasn't just the glue in our immediate family. My dad held space for his own. um, And, you know, my grandparents and my aunt on his family side, it's just been a very hard thing because not knowing what to say is also hard (laughs) and being honest too, to go like, this really sucks. And I don't know what to say. Like, I, I don't have anything, but I see you and you're important to me and thinking through too, sometimes wondering like, should I send this picture that came up as a memory or is that painful? And I think also being honest going, you know, I didn't know if I should send this, but I decided to send it to you anyway. Um, and totally okay. If like it was, it was intrusive or unwanted, like, please let me know. But so I think also in that honesty in that space too, um, because there's just a lot of complex layers. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and how has it, how has his death transformed your close relationships or affected them? Um, I think I think for me it's actually been the most transformative in terms of more of my relationship with myself as, as opposed to I, I don't know that it's changed the dynamics of relationships close to me um but I think there was a lot even I remember thinking and it's still kind of this way that I didn't realize how much grief could touch on your identity because he's my dad. So of course, having that attachment to him my whole life and that not being available has been interesting because I always pictured my life and different areas of success. Like I'll be honest, your live event that we had in San Diego in uh, January of last year and your parents being able to be there. I remember telling my dad, I said, Mm -hmm dad, I love seeing Emily's parents there. Like you're going to be in a room like that with me one day. And so, sorry. It's okay. Knowing that all of the success or the pieces of success or milestones of my life, knowing that the one person who I really wanted to be there to witness that with and for me won't be there. And so there came up there, you know, there's a whole reorientation of going like, well, if I, I know my life will go on, but it doesn't mean quite as much to me. That has, that has lessened, but I think there's still that profound piece that comes through that, um, it just changes, you know? So I think it's more about, um, I think it's, it's also been interesting to notice. I don't think I was looking for my father's approval in some of the success that I want to achieve or I'm working toward. Um, 
but it meant a lot for me to be able to share it with him. And so there's a piece to an dynamic of shifting of going, okay, he can't be there. Um, but I know what he would want for me. And I know that he, um, you know, he always, he always was talking about, um, moving into life and taking it by the horns and, and living it full out living, um, living for the dash, that dash that sits between the dates, like that's the life. And, um, and so that's something too, um, that I think has, I think that's still always been a part that's been instilled by him, but there's something in my own values too, about knowing that, that time is precious and we don't know how much time we've had. And since he was a pastor, I think that had been ingrained in me early on because he'd walked with so many people through death, through unexpected life. And I've been around that to know, like it's not promised and exposed to a lot of that. And I think that that helped prepare in some ways of, but still, I don't know that I would have been ready for him to go, even if he was 99, 120, (laughs) I'll take him as long as I can have him. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And do you feel that there's something we can do to prepare? That's not the right word, but it's the only word that's coming prepare for things like this to happen because it's really interesting to me that we all know our loved ones will die. And yet it's not really a conversation that many of us are comfortable having or even have with, with anyone. And I do wonder, you know, are we doing our, are we making it even harder? Are we doing life a disservice by not being willing to have the conversation? Are we doing ourselves a disservice by not coming up with a plan or, or, I know that you can't predict how you're going to feel, but is there a way that we can at least give it a, you know, a thought around what would I do if this were to happen? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know that. I know that it would be ideal for us to try and create a framework. I think that's probably why the five stages of grief took off the way it did to take the chaos of emotion and try and put it in a framework that we can understand. Um, to be honest, I think it's probably just telling people in your life as much as you possibly can um, what they mean to you. I really think it's more about, for me, I think I would encourage people to minimize the amount of regret. Um, and I know that like, there are people in my own life who have difficult relationships with some of their parents and they've shared and expressed to me, you know, I don't think that their death will affect me very much. I beg to differ. And I can say this from a place that is biased because I did have such a good relationship. So I acknowledge that, but I think like anything else, you can't know until you're there and you can't send that message and you can't, you know, say this meant so much to me, or, um, you know, I wish you could have taken the time with me in this way. And it's painful in some ways to acknowledge some of the hurt. I think that's actually a conversation that dad and I were allowed to have. Um, a couple years ago, I was going through therapy 
And I realized that some parts of my childhood needed to be expressed. And I remember we had a conversation around that. Um, Oftentimes in ministry, families are forgotten. And and also there's just room to, to, there's always going to be room uh, for us to grow and to learn at the expense of the other people in our life, especially those who are closest to us. So I think in ways of preparation, I would say to just really make sure that when you're with people, you're present and that you say what you what you want to say, even if it's awkward or uncomfortable. I'm working on that too. <laughs> it's still something um, that I, I am good at in some relationships and I'm working on with others, but that's made me more mindful too. Like, is this, if this is the last time that I saw this person or the last chance that I'm having to spend, um, do I want to take them flowers and spend the money on the flowers today? Because it could be the last time, you know, things like that. I think just trying to live with that frame of mind of I gave it what I had and I was present and they knew I loved them or those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think you had the amazing perspective instilled upon you by your dad that life is meant to be lived. And so you weren't the type of person to like shut everything down, go into hiding when this happened. Like you said, you were inspired to live fuller and more fully. And you've shared this with our clients as well. So what would you say, you know, to people who are experiencing something and the temptation is to, um, to not live or to go into hiding or to even make themselves wrong? Like, can you talk a little bit about what you've experienced in living fully through the pain? Yeah. Um, I think, I think first remembering too, that nothing is permanent. No no feeling is permanent um, and that it's okay to not be okay and still move forward. And by move forward, I mean, continue to pursue things that are important to you and put energy into. Um, I think it can be tempting to want to stop and stay. And I found some of that resistance for myself too, um, of, of thinking like, well, what's the point? what is the point <laughs> if if this person isn't here like i said it doesn't feel as worth it and i really think it's in allowing yourself the permission to like say those things to really go you know this this really hurts i'm in a lot of pain um because with that expression there will be a release and the truth of that experience will ultimately continue to come you'll experience more clarity as you take that action like we with anything else. Um, but I think, I think it's still a matter of doing things too that bring you pleasure and comfort are really important. I think there can be periods in that space when you're experiencing hardship to go, well, I'm in this hard place. Is it okay for me to be laughing? <laughs> Is it okay that I'm having this amazing time on this trip when they're not here? And I think to frame that too, there's, there's bits and pieces of wishing that it could be different in that experience, but then also remembering, you know, well, what is the experience that I want to have in my life? Do I really want the rest of my life spent in this place of closed off or repressed 
um, and in that darkness. And some people might say, yeah, like this is the experience that I want to have right now. But I think there's still power in being able to recognize that you get to decide the experience that you want to have. It may be surprising how we respond, or it may be surprising the things that come up for us. Um, but I think being curious too, instead of judgmental about things that may come up, which I'm not the A plus student at that, I'm trying to get better. Um, and trying to remember to have a lot of self-compassion as well, because oftentimes we are so hard on ourselves and remembering, hey, if I had a friend who was sitting across the table from me, what would they need from me right now? And giving that to ourselves. Uh, I think that that those things can serve in that way. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I know that you've been really inspirational to our clients and you work with a lot of people in our company who are thinking about moving forward with a business or with a dream. And on one of our trainings, you shared a specific story around your dad and a bicycle, I believe it was. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or am I making that up? Oh, um, <laughs> about training. Yeah, training it was training. People. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was training with people. That was really, I love that phrase that he shared. Um, Oh gosh, I don't know if I remember it, but I mean, he always talked about, you know, when you're training for something, cause he, he got into cycling there for a little while. And he talked about the importance of training with people who are better than you, <laughs> because it's those people who are setting that pace that is driving you to know what's possible or move towards. And so, you know, he was talking about the importance of, of that you'll have, and you'll have buddies, you know, on your right and your left who are tracking with you, but but having people who are better than you brings you forward. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, I'm so grateful that you've shared your message because I know there are a lot of people who maybe haven't experienced what you've experienced, but will at some point, others who are going through it in the moment and just being able to feel like you're not alone and that, like you said, whatever it is you're feeling, there's nothing wrong with that. Like be able to express it fully, be able to let it out, be able to be okay with it, but still, you know, move forward with the things that light you up and live your life to the fullest because we aren't promised, you know, any amount of time. That's right. So if your dad was here today, is there anything you'd want to share with him or tell him about the last year? Um, so many things. <laughs> um, but I think I, I, I thought this week, actually, I find myself regularly um, just wishing I could just hang around ideas. That was something that's also something that I had the benefit of. He was a visionary. And so nothing was too big. You know, it was always like, well, if I, if I took something to him, then he's like, well, that's an idea. Like, what are you going to do with it? Or that's an idea. What if you made it bigger and maxed it times 10? And so I think, I think just talking through um, some of the opportunities I've had over the last year um, and he would be really proud of, of what I've cultivated and created. And I think, I think it, I think it also has become just further of my own intention to try to embody that people feel known and seen and, and, and loved and those interactions, whether it's an email or just in passing, um, those are things that he also was really good at. So I think too, um, what's been very encouraging to me, and this may not be something that I would share with him, but 
it's something that's meant a lot to me is that people who have known me my, my, my entire life and people who have met me for the first time when I'm talking about my dad or they have that point of reference, they always say like, you're just like him. And that to me is one of the highest compliments I could receive. Um, because anytime I was growing up too, if people asked who inspires you, who's your hero, it was always my dad. And I think it was because he lived with that integrity and that intentionality and just that, that lust for life. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you feel wouldn't have happened had he not passed or it would have taken longer for it to happen? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. That's something I'll have to sit with, but I, I don't know. I think too, I still love, I'm pretty sure it's Tony Robbins who I heard that from that life is happening for us and not to us. And so I think when I'm looking back at hindsight and something, I'm, I think instead of looking back on what I would change or if something were to be different, um, I don't spend a lot of time there because I'm, I'm just like, so what can I learn from the experience or move forward? So I don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? And of course, I want you to tell them where they can find you online, but is there anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, I just, I'd love to thank you again for having this conversation and inviting me um, and for your company because you and your mission and your initiative and your gumption has been one of the things that has really um, inspired my own journey and my own tenacity. And there are things that I can still only hear from you. And so <laughs> I love, I love how you are in the world, Emily. And I, and I love what you're putting together. And if you all are thinking too of, of investing in any of the programs in I Heart My Life, I, I back them. <laughs> they are a company that is is who they say they are and they're moving with that intention and their desire is to see you succeed at, at a life that really, really does light you up and is better than your dreams. That's not just a motto. It's actually something that they, that they carve into everything that they're working on and towards. Um, and then, yes, you can find me um, on Instagram. It's just at Evelyn Fusen. And on Facebook, also Evelyn Fusen. So, yeah. Thank you, Evelyn. I know you're going to get a lot of love after all of this and appreciation for sharing such wisdom during a difficult time. And I hope you know that we are all here for you and we admire you. And that's why I wanted to have the conversation as I've admired you over the last 10 months and the way in which you've moved through this. And, you know, it's just it's obviously challenged, challenging to see you hurting, but what I've actually seen is your strength and your compassion and your growth through all of it. And that's been really amazing because I think things like this can either take people out and cause them to shrink or inspire them to shine. And I know that you've still been hurting. There's been a lot happening that we haven't witnessed, but you've been that shining light for us and for our students And that's such a gift. And I'm sure your dad is looking down and is so proud of you. Thank you. That means a lot. You're welcome. Thank you for being on the show, Evelyn. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life Show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life Show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.